Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. Good morning, and happy Easter. He is risen. Thanks, guys. The three of you deserve chocolate. We are celebrating this morning the key event in all history, the moment that God himself defeated death for us and led the way into resurrected life, emerging from the tomb in blinding glory. It's a good day. The way we're going to look at this wondrous occasion this morning is to look at it through some of the things that Jesus himself said about his mission during his earthly ministry. In this church, we've been working our way through the Gospel of John, one of the four witness accounts of Jesus' life and ministry on earth. And it just so happens that the next passage we have lined up to read will serve us really well at looking at what Easter means for us today. We'll be looking at chapter 12, verses 44 to 50, which, if you're very good, will appear on the screens. Why don't you read along with me? In your head, if you like. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Amen. We're going to dive right in. Um, because that's the plan for later on as well. I want to focus on three points in this passage this morning. Firstly, Jesus shows us the one who sent him. Secondly, God's mission is to save the world. And thirdly, God's command, his plan, is that we join him in eternal life. We're going to walk through those six verses I just read from John's Gospel again. And as we go through it, I invite you to keep one question in mind. What does this tell me that God is like? So let's dive in at verse 44. Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. If we can keep that up, that would be great. Jesus wasn't in it for the book sales. 
Jesus wasn't in it for his reputation. In fact, to my knowledge, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit spend all their time pointing out how glorious each other are. Notice how Jesus constantly points to the Father. The Father, the few times when we do hear him directly speaking in a booming voice that sounds like thunder from heaven, tells us how beloved and special Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit takes every opportunity to show us how glorious the Father and Son are. Actually, you might notice if you worship with us often, we welcome the Holy Spirit into our services. We welcome God to come through his Holy Spirit. But actually, it's when we're giving glory to the Son or glory to the Father that actually I feel the presence of God the most. The Holy Spirit loves to glorify the Father and the Son. The Father loves to glorify the Son. The Son loves to glorify... You get the picture, right? Jesus would only be pleased with his own fame spreading if people hearing about him means they come back into relationship with the Father. That's the mission he's on. And he lived amongst us in 2,000 year ago Judea as the most transparent signpost to the Father that he could possibly be. He wanted people to hear his message and believe his message, but again, not for his own glory, but because his message was about God the Father, that God the Father wants us back. And that is a message that deserves to be spread. There is a God, and he's real, and he's good, and he wants a relationship with you that you can't even comprehend, oh, with joy and with peace, and that makes you truly alive like nothing else can. That's a message worth hearing if it's true. So Jesus, God the Son, is on a mission, a very public mission, to make what God is like known to people. He says, whoever gets me, whoever gets what I'm saying, is hearing not just my words, but they're getting to know the Father. Whoever sees me, sees God the Father who sent me. I think we need an illustration. Uh, Phil, congratulations. Uh, you can be God. Come stand here. Great. Andy, come on up. You can be God the Son. So you can be God the Father, you're God the Son. Uh, just stand in front of Phil this way and, uh, and smile. Great. Put your hands on his shoulders. You can send him to us. Great, brilliant. Uh, Rebecca, come and stand here for me. <laughs> send him a bit more nicely than that. Okay, right. Uh, Caitlin, you're an illustration as well. Uh, I'll borrow you, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel loves public speaking and being in front of crowds. Right, can you just line up in a line? Great. Alongside Andy. Not you, you're sending him. You stand behind him. Right, okay. So, <laughs> is this going to work? I don't know. Right, no, no. Stand here, stand here. You can look at like, these nice people. You want to get your message to these people, don't you, God the Father? Absolutely. That's right. So you send God the Son, Jesus, right? Brilliant. And so, there you go, he's been sent. So Jesus, instead of saying, I'm great, says, you should get to know this guy. This is amazing. Honestly, this is the one who wants you. There you go. Yeah, mate, that's good. It's good. It's part worship, part hitchhike. I love it. Okay, <laughs> so there you are. And now you want... This lady here to get to know Jesus, so say, oh no, you're Jesus, get to know the Father, say get to know the Father. That was really good, right, brilliant. <laughs> These natural born actors, all of them, all right. So this is brilliant, and you go, oh, I've come to know the Father, this is brilliant. So then you pass it on, tell Caitlin. Get to know the Father. Right, brilliant, this is great. Now you tell Rich, you ought to know, tell her. <laughs> right, brilliant. Yeah, it sort of worked. The thing is, the thing is, if the father had just told some facts to the son and passed it on, then we might get this sort of Chinese whispers, pass it on. But the message is not, there was a fact in history you need to know about. Instead, as Jesus says, there's a relationship available with you. The father loves you. Then not only has the father 
sent the son and loved him, but as Rebecca receives that message and says, yeah, actually, yeah, this is great. In so doing, she not only agrees with what she's been told, but she meets the father herself. And then as she passed that on to Caitlin, then the father goes and meets Caitlin. And so you don't have quite enough arms for this, but sort of use your feet as well. <laughs> okay, great. You can sit down, guys. Give him a round of applause, would you? We'll, we'll save you later. God's not just set up a game of Chinese whispers about an important fact in history that can be lost or distorted along the way. Jesus' message was relationship. And so with each person who hears it and accepts it, that message is confirmed by their own first-hand experience, the authority of their experience of, no, this was real. I've, I felt this for myself. I know this to be true. And then in themselves, a new, fresh, personal, loving desire to make the Father known. So, what is God like? God is the God who makes himself known. This world, broken, hurting, controlled by the forces and the powers of evil, with all the misinformation, confusion, and corruption that claim so many souls, hasn't been left alone by God. God has broken through, through those who let him in, through the prophets who heard his voice and cried out for truth, and then even through his own son, sent, having given up everything to be born behind enemy lines, to take on corruption and challenge brokenness wherever he saw it, and to cry out when he had the chance, the truth to everyone, even to those of God's people who should have known better. God wants you to know that he wants you back. And what does he want to do with you? To scold you for turning away? To turn you into a boring clone of socks and sandals Christians? No dissing socks and sandals until I've worked out how to protect my feet down at the beach, all right? I can rip them later on if I've got some warm feet. John 3.16 has the answer. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He wants us back because he loves us, and he wants to give us eternal life. Verse 47 brings me on to my second point, that God's mission is to save the world. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So often I've heard people who don't know God talk about him as if he's a stern-faced judge behind the universe, waiting to catch us out if he's there at all. He's portrayed as the cruel God who's responsible for all the evil in the world and then is going to punish us for it to boot. Verse 47 tells us what God is actually like. Jesus, the God the Son, gives us a crucial insight into God's heart for us. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I don't judge him. For I did not come to the world, to, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. I hear him saying, look guys, I'm, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to save. My mission is life. It's love. I've not been sent to condemn. I've been sent to restore. What's God like? He's interested in Restoration, not retribution. 
There it is in black and white. But, and there is a but, we do still have a problem. I've already said that this world is corrupt. The way this world is run is not God's plan. The hurt, the brokenness, the lies and the selfishness, and the pain that this world deals out every second that consume and crush precious, vulnerable people is evil, and God will not stand for it. I believe that he sees us as victims of the system that has gone wrong. Victims who need rescuing, but that doesn't mean that he's happy with the system. It's going to be destroyed one day. If you're interested, the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13, starting from verse 24 onwards, explains neatly why God hasn't destroyed this system already. It's to give us, who are caught up in it, a chance to be separated from it and saved. But when that day comes, if people have heard Jesus' message of truth, his message of rescue, his advance party warning that heaven's unstoppable army have called time on this system and are coming to completely wipe it out, if they've heard that message and they don't receive it, then they stand judged by their own choices. Their own decision is their judge. That's what verses 46 and 48 are saying, I think. Verse 48 lays out clearly that Jesus himself was sent to rescue us, but by the very fact of him stepping amongst us and showing the truth, he forces a choice on each of us, light or darkness. The light, the truth that he has revealed here in these words of his in the Bible, and as he whispers them in our hearts, or to remain in what we now have been told is darkness. In verse 46, Jesus describes himself, his mission, as light in darkness. In a dark woods or a dark house, how much of a relief is it to have light bursting in? And yet, that light reveals what was there in the darkness. That house might need a good clean. There may be a monster once the light has revealed it. When the murkiness of our half-good lives gets shone upon by Jesus' presence in our lives and shown up to have some distinctly dark corners, that little habit here, that little white lie over there, then, phew, Jesus has given me a way to fill my life with light. Brilliant. But that does mean facing up to getting rid of that darkness. What's God like? He's like light in a dark corner. Relief, but with that relief, the challenge not to allow any tiny scrap of corruption or evil to remain in us. But don't worry, because he hasn't set us that challenge and left us to it. Verse 49 tells us the command that the Father gave, gave Jesus, the message to tell us, and this is my third point, eternal life. Verse 49 reads, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. This eternal life, I think it's twofold. It's an eternal life with God in heaven, an existence of love without pain, where God himself will wipe away all tears, where love is pure, where relationships are restored, where we experience existence as God planned it, where the delight we experience here when God reveals himself to us now in glimpses 
as if through a dark glass, is there fully known, fully felt, and all with no expiry date. But that life isn't waiting for us after we die. It starts now. In this church, we love to invite God to come by his Holy Spirit and to lead our meetings so that we can be as open to him as possible, and he does. We know from words, pictures, from impossible knowledge confirmations that he loves and cares so deeply, and when we give him a chance to speak, he loves to reach out to us, his children, or to bring us in if we're not yet his children. You yourself can have God's Holy Spirit come live in you even this morning and experience the first glimpses of heaven on earth even this morning. This Holy Spirit, God himself, will not only show you his love for you firsthand, but will give you the strength and miraculous power you need to get out of the darkness that he reveals in your life. He is so, so good to us. I don't actually talk that much about heaven. Maybe I should. I get excited about what God's doing here and now, excited by the offer of him coming in to live in our lives, to speak to us today, excited by his kingdom coming on earth and seeing lives changed for good here and now around us. But heaven's a wonderful promise. And Easter Sunday reminds us there is a resurrection for us to come because Jesus opened it up to us. There is such joy ahead of us It's enough to say yes to God for all on its own, even before we learn that he wants to meet us now too. There is sweet, sweet pie in the sky when we die. And there's also juicy, succulent steak on the plate while we wait. What? (laughs) The first Easter, Jesus' death and resurrection are, in one glorious weekend, the forgiveness of all of our corruption, all of our participation in this world's evil, and our stepping into a new life. A new life with a relationship with the unlimited one that will go on forever. This, by the way, is what our baptism candidates are celebrating, responding to, and opting into this morning. As our four baptizees are brought under the water, pray for them, and raised up out of it, they are marking, symbolically, the end of their life without this relationship with God and the beginning of this new eternal life with them. It's an earthly signpost to a glorious heavenly reality. And it's a wonderful act. And I hope that we will all go along and celebrate with them in just a few minutes. Why is it exciting that Jesus is risen? By fulfilling the Old Testament rituals of forgiveness, of atonement, of restoration and of reunion between God and people. Having dealt with death, the worst that this world can throw at a person, having invited us into a partnership where our failings and his righteousness switch places, and then him having taken those failings to the cross and dealt with them for us, Jesus was raised to life by the loving Father, and having been the willing sacrifice who made it possible for our sins to be forgiven, he is now the one who continues our relationship with the Father through the Holy Spirit. Read the book of Hebrews, it's brilliant. By ascending as the first risen human and then sitting in heaven's throne room, speaking on our behalf, passing on our prayers as if they were his own, understanding from experience where we're coming from, our relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is forever 
wondrously, scandalously changed. There's a wonderful conspiracy within the Trinity. God the Father sent Jesus, God the Son, to be born and live amongst us, to die and be raised again and achieve forgiveness for us, to bring humanity with him as he ascended into heaven's throne room and to allow us to stand there as beloved children. And now, God reaches out to each of us here today as he comes by his Holy Spirit, nudging your hearts even as I speak, I trust, to invite you to opt in to this rescue mission offer and let him bring you back to him. As Irenaeus once said, the Son and the Spirit are the twin arms of the Father in the most precious embrace you will ever know. The scandal is that we don't deserve it. We should, by rights, be condemned as part of a broken and evil world. But instead, we're not just forgiven. We are cherished, placed in the highest honor around the family dining table of the creator of the universe. Ephesians chapter 2 puts it this way. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God the Father sent Jesus to come and get you for eternal life. Happy Easter, friends. There is so much more than chocolate to be happy about today. Why don't you stand and I'll pray for you.